you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. Well, let me ask you something. Are you looking for smooth seas? Well, hey, that's going to be our theme for today. Here's some of the questions we'll be looking at every week. We pull from questions you, the listeners, have submitted. Talk about real-life questions, ways we can unpack the challenges that life brings our way, especially in the area of work. You know, it brings challenges, but you know what else it brings? It brings opportunities. The changes are not necessarily moving us backward. The changes prompt us to move forward. You know, for a lot of people, the last couple of years and losing jobs unexpectedly, those unwelcome, unexpected pink slips that come or whatever it happens to be. Boy, for a lot of people, those have been wake up calls where it's, wow, I would have never done this had I not been challenged, pushed out of the comfortable rut I was in. Well, maybe that's your experience. We'll be talking a lot about that today. Here's some of the questions we'll be looking at. Dan, I have passions and ambitions, but no time to pursue them. How do you handle that? Um, Dan, how can I sell my unique backyard playhouses? Yeah, I got some ideas on that. We'll have fun with that. Dan, I was moved to tears this morning because of my overwhelming fear. How about this one? A long-term goal of mine is to have lunch with a billionaire. How can I do that? Well, we'll, we'll look at that. You can do that. I'll tell you exactly how to do that. Dan, I'm at the starting line revving my engine and she's about to blow unless I put it in gear and go. God, that sounds like a line from a country song. Somebody out there ought to, there you go. I mean, I know you got all, there's a lot of songwriters out there. I'm at the starting line revving my engine and she's about to blow unless I put it in gear and go. I think that's the beginning of a song there. Country songs can take any real life situation and make something good out of it. Well, here's our quotation for the day. And it comes from that smooth seas question I asked earlier. This is an old African proverb that says, smooth seas do not make skillful sailors. Are you going to understand why? I mean, you just think about it. Smooth seas don't make skillful sailors. You learn how to become a skillful sailor by having rough seas to navigate. The same thing is true in life and business. We learn how to be good because we have challenges to overcome and it's an overcoming the challenges. We get better and better. Hey, just a reminder, if you want to join us for Innovate, I'm just in the process of ordering the rock. Matter of fact, I think I'm going to use a rock that's on our property as the base for the sculpture of the launch, the eagle that has been sculpted. It's being cast in bronze. They're supposed to be finishing it up today as I speak, and then it'll be shipped here it's got a 36 inch wingspan. We're going to be installing that. Well, we'll have it installed prior to innovate, but at innovate, the event will be having here March 20th and 21st. We're going to unveil. We're going to have that baby covered up. We're going to unveil the new 48 days Eagle here. We're also going to have replicas here and we're going to have some surprises at that event, but a lot of things happening. If you want to join us, just check out the live events and uh, see if you can 
Join us here for March 20th and 21st, the Innovate event. And of course, we've got Coaching with Excellence. We've got people filling up those spots that are available in the remaining events that we've got this year. If you're interested in launching your coaching business, got a couple questions today where uh, that be part of my recommendation that people, in fact, just come and plug into the Coaching with Excellence. It's That's the way that a lot of the coaches out there launched their business. Now, last week I talked about Catherine, the young gal that Joanne and I have been helping for several years and the tough spot that she's in just, just recap real briefly. You know, she's doing well in many respects. She's living in government housing, but only paying 20 or $50 a month rent. She has a job where she's making $14 an hour as a transcriptionist. So it's not just an entry level $8 an hour job. She's doing pretty well all around. She's sending me the $250 a month. It's going into the fund for a future car for her, which is a program that I set up and that's going really well. However, she's being confronted with some major setbacks. She doesn't even consider them setbacks. I mean, I can't believe her positive attitude and I, she's doing a better job at uh, maintaining hope in this than I am perhaps. But starting this month, She's going to lose her food step money. That's $460 a month. She's losing her child care subsidy, $237 a week. That's $1,026 a month. Her rent is being raised to half the normal rate because she now has been working for six months successfully. These things are all happening because she's been working for six months successfully, but her rent is going from $50 to $325. That's a $275 bump. And she now is being forced to have her health insurance premium deducted from her paycheck at the rate of $322 a month. That's a $2,080 swing. I mean, not just total expenses. That's just increased expenses from a month ago. The $2,080 is more than her entire take-home pay. I can't figure out how to make this work. I mean, I'm used to confronting challenging situations and I don't mind jumping into the challenges, obviously, but this is a tough thing. Now, you all have been amazing at responding. Golly, they've been um, on on 48days.net. Golly, who was that? Frank Gifford started a discussion on there. There's been a whole lot of comments on there about ways that we can help Catherine get out of the jam that she's in. I appreciate so much everybody's suggestions. I've gotten a lot of emails about this. Um, Johnny Henderson says, what you're doing with this lady is awesome. I think I have a solution. Medical transcription is very portable and in high demand. In order to do medical transcriptions from home, a person needs a transcription machine, about $500, a computer, $700, a flash drive, $20 and some work. The money you have put away for Catherine will cover these costs easily. I've got about $1,800 in her account. Uh, Then Catherine would have the wonderful opportunity to see the value in doing your own work. She can keep her current job, spend one or two nights per week working from home while her children sleep. It's very possible to make more than $14 an hour on, on your own. I know many transcription farms who need transcriptions today. Now, Johnny goes on, and I've already communicated with him. I wouldn't love to have those connections. Um, she does already have a computer that we gave her a couple years ago. So if she needs a transcription machine, not a big deal. Yeah, we could help her get that. I really think that's a really good idea. Incidentally, um, some other suggestions, Sean suggests, um, she has to do two things, get her income up, cut her expenses. Now listen to this. This is from Sean and I, man, what a 
gracious suggestion. For the first part, it's going to take some time. I will pledge $50 a month to her. If we can get 48 of us to do the same, we can help her get set up for success and give her the time to build up her income and emergency funds she'll need. We can slowly wean her off the help by giving $10 per month less each month after three months until it's zero rather than her being hit all at once. So that's a total of seven months. Now he goes on about that. I mean, what a gracious offer. Sean, and I appreciate so much your heart in that. I mean, that would be amazing. 48 people at $50, that would be, what, that's $2,400 a month. Now, we have to recognize what we're doing is just stepping in and replacing the current government subsidy. So we recognize it's a temporary solution. It's not a long-term solution. It's a stopgap to give her time to figure out how to get to the next level. But what a gracious offer. Um, We may pursue that a little bit more. Sean from, uh, there's another Sean, Sean Kirkpatrick says from Alaska says I had an idea concerning the opportunity for a solution that I mentioned last time. Sometimes it requires moving back before you go forward. What if she quit her job or became part-time in order to qualify for assistance in order to pursue higher education or training in a new area to, in order to increase her income? I thought that there were some programs for low-income single mothers to have assistance for education. Anyway, that's a solution that I came up with. I'm, I'm pretty gun-shy about training programs, academic programs. Usually what happens is they do have government programs for that, and usually it is a loan. So it puts the person in debt in order to, now there are Pell Grants, there are some programs out there and possibly there are ways to do it. But for the most part, the most common way is to just get a student loan and it puts these poor people in debt to get a training program. And I'm pretty gun shy about training programs to help these people have truly marketable skills. What happens so often, it really comes down to the person themselves. I mean, they have to present well, they have to have good personal skills. Now, Catherine does fortunately. But, but a lot of you suggested, and, and again, I, you know, I'm please hear me on this. I mean, I'd love to see her be a phenomenal, successful Mary Kay director, you know, driving a pink Cadillac. That's not going to happen. I mean, for her to be an Amway person and some of the other things that some of you have suggested, you know, we just have to be realistic about that. That's not going to happen for her. I wish it would. She has a great pleasing personality, but there are things required to have success in multi-level marketing, network marketing that uh, are going to be pretty tough for her to do. Well, anyway, um, well, I'm, I'm just going to just going to stop it there. Thanks for your continued input on that. It's not something that Joanne and I have a solution for as of yet. I mean, we're talking to Catherine daily about uh, the changes that are taking place. Uh, she's got a great attitude, but again, I think the doors are closing in on her in some ways here, but doing the work that she's known to do already, medical transcription and being able to do that at home. In addition to the work she has now, I think it's pretty reasonable, you know, for her to get additional skills. I mean, the chances for her to uh, double her income to go from $14 an hour to $28 an hour, that's, that's a big challenge. That's a big jump for her to be able to do transcription work on home on a freelance basis and theoretically make $25, $30 an hour, I think is possible. So I think that is one of the potential solutions here. I'm not sure that we want to encourage her to quit her job and just do transcription work full-time from home. I mean, that takes a great amount of discipline 
And she's living in a place where there's a lot of distractions, to be honest with you. Uh, she would still have to have daycare for her children. It would be totally unrealistic to have her kids at home and have her do the work at the same time. So there's some realistic things that we're trying to deal with here, but thanks again for your input and helping her out. Well, a couple other things here that I consider success stories. This comes from Dustin who says, first, I want to thank you for everything you do. You helped me to have the courage to quit a good job that I like to follow my passion. I now work from home running my own book editing and publishing business, which is going great. As part of my business, query editing, I design public domain books that people can purchase and give away on their websites without copyright issues. I was about to typeset acres of diamonds. And I remember that you give that away on your website. We do. We give that away when anybody subscribes to, I think my blog or my newsletter, we give that away. So I took the text from your version and redesigned it. Here's a link to download. If you'd like to, you can use this version for free, of course, as the one you give away. Thanks for all you do. Well, Dustin, thanks so much. It's beautifully done. Yeah, we'll be delighted to, uh, to use that and uh, pass that on to people. So thanks so much for doing that. And congratulations for taking that step and creating your own work situation, your own business, as you obviously have. Now, one other thing here real quick. Over the weekend, uh, Join was flipping through channels and happened on to the beginning of the old 19, 1998 movie, You've Got Mail. Remember that movie? Tom Hanks, Meg Ryan, in the movie, Joe, who was Tom Hanks, opens one of his big bookstores right across the street from Kathleen, Meg Ryan's, quaint little, the shop around the corner. Now, it's really cute the way the story unfolds. They're emailing each other, don't know who they are for quite a period of time until Tom actually figures out who it is. But it became real clear that Kathleen's little bookstore could not survive the competition of the big bookstore that opened right across the street. So she decided to close the doors. Now, their their relationship is really the focus of the story, and it's really cute how that, re, how that unfolds. But in reminiscing with their elderly bookkeeper, Birdie, Meg Ryan lamented that she felt like a failure because she was having to close this little bookstore that she inherited from her mother. And her wise bookkeeper, Birdie, said, you're not a failure. You're doing the bravest thing possible. You are daring to imagine you could have a different life. How's that for a different perspective? Think about a time when you felt like a failure. I mean, maybe even, maybe it's right now. I mean, you're thinking about quitting your job, your business is tanking, you haven't lost the weight you wanted to shed, your relationship with your mom or dad is still dismal. But if you draw a line in the sand and say, you're not going to do that anymore, you're not failing. You're daring to imagine you could have a different life. Now, if you can't imagine a different life, you're likely to just continue doing what you're doing now. You just repeat what you already have. Even if you're forced into a change, you're likely just to repeat a scenario that's pretty similar. But you have to be able to imagine a different life. But I love that saying from that movie where that wise old bookkeeper says, you're not a failure. You're doing the bravest thing possible. You're daring to imagine you could have a different life. If you're doing that, you can sing this song. We're the champions. As those of us who decide to live a different life, who do things that are fun, meaningful, purposeful, and profitable. Yeah, baby. We are the champions.
no time for losing. You know, that song always inspires me. All right, we know how it goes. We'll play the whole thing. Well, let's get into some questions for today. Got a lot of interesting questions. Caitlin says, do you have any advice or encouragement for stay-at-home moms like me who have passions and ambitions but can't seem to find enough time after changing diapers, making meals, and folding laundry to get to them? I want to keep my family my first priority, but I know the other things I want to accomplish are important as well. Well, yes, I do have suggestions, and it has to do with how we structure and use our time. Now, I know that with a family, being responsible for kids, spouses, the things that come up in a family, you can get to where you're simply responding to the squeaky wheel. But that's a temptation for all of us. It's not just moms at home. It's for all of us where we tend to just get up and see what seems to be the most important, where the squeaky wheel is, and we'll go oil that today. Well, that's a pretty tough way to really move to higher levels of achievement because our day fills up. There's actually a law. It's called Parkinson's law. It has nothing to do with the disease, but it's called Parkinson's law where it says that any task we have will expand to fill whatever time we have available in essence. So it's an, it's, not unusual at all when I talk to somebody who got laid off or got fired and a month later I'm talking to them and they're like, my gosh, I don't know how I ever had time to work because between, you know, taking kids to the orthodontist and ballet and picking up dry cleaning and, you know, getting the car repaired, my, my day is entirely full. Well, that's exactly what happens. All those little things that you didn't have time for before, but now you have a little more flexibility in time. They just expand and it fills your day anyway. We got to be careful about that. What I would encourage you to do, Caitlin, even as a stay-at-home mom, is to structure your time. Now, kids are probably in school for part of the day, so you may have two hours where you do cleaning and laundry. So you may do that from 8.30 to 10.30 in the morning. But go ahead and actually create a schedule for your day rather than just kind of seeing what happens. If you see what happens, the days will always be full. If you say... I do have passions and ambitions and I'm going to find eight to 10 hours a week where that's what I work on. You will be amazed what you can accomplish in 90 days. It'll surprise you. So that's what I would encourage you to do. And as much as you're always going to be busy, there are always going to be things that need to be done. There's always going to be one more room that needs to be cleaned or vacuumed or straightened up or flowers planted But if your ambitions are a priority, then put them on the schedule so they rank with the same priority as doing the laundry or fixing meals. That doesn't mean you're going to negate your desire to be a, a mom and wife, but it means that you are going to dedicate time to the passions and ambitions that you have. And again, if you define eight to 10 hours a week, so if you have two hours on Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday afternoon when nobody's around two hours. Well, that's six hours right there. Just find the time, but go ahead and look at the 168 hours a week that we have and block in those times where that's what you're going to be working on. I mean, I, that's what I do for everything. I don't have anybody looking over my shoulder telling me, Dan, it's time to do this. It's time to do that. I mean, most of my 
projects are long-term goals. They're not even things that I have to do this week if I don't do anything this week. But I know that if I'm going to hit those long-term goals, then it requires that I do invest consistent time every day, every week to move toward those. So I'm very conscientious about how I spend my time. And I shared that earlier in the year, how I do that. Well, Alex says, Dan, you forever changed my life for the better. You're one of the modern day heroes. I always recommend your content because people are so hungry for positive, creative change. I'm wanting to start a business where I'm selling my unique backyard playhouse that I would build, sell, and transport myself. I can tell you more about it if I need to, but I'm trying to get a game plan first on how I'm going to get started on creating this into a successful business. What do I need to do to get this started? Everyone who I talk to about it thinks it's a great idea. I'm finishing my designs. I'm going to calculate the cost on building one myself, which I think will be three to $500 and sell it at 10 times that amount. What's the next step after that? If I sold two a month, I would surpass my monthly income. Now, what are some good resources you would recommend to take this idea to create it into some action? I need a game plan. Well, Alec, yeah, I know exactly what I could do. I can visualize it the instant I read your question. And that is, I would make about four of these, make them complete and then find great locations to set them. I have on our property, a little well house. It has in it, we, we do have a well on our property here out in the country. So we have a water filter and a water softener. The water goes through that. And rather than crowding up in our house, I wanted it to be outside. So we have this cute little well house. Well, when you look at it, it looks like a greenhouse because one whole side is slanted down from the rooftop and it, it's all glass. So it is an actual little greenhouse. I saw that sitting beside the road and immediately whipped around, stopped and said, God, that's exactly what I want to have. I can put my well equipment in there, but it'll also double in looking like an attractive greenhouse instead of just a little outhouse of some kind. But that's what I would do. What you're talking about, having a unique playhouse, it's a very visual, emotional kind of thing. So just describing it even on a website or in a brochure is tough. You want people to see it. And if you're going to build them and transport them, deliver them, you're talking about a, a very small geographic area anyway. That's fine. You don't, if you're going to do two a month, I mean, that's 24 a year. That's not a big supply. So get some that are finished that look absolutely gorgeous and then just get people to allow you to sit them somewhere, you know, in a front yard or a vacant field or somewhere where it gets a lot of traffic. Now there are plenty of places you can do that. I mean, there are places where they already sell like carports and little things and they may agree to let you park one there where they get 10% of the the price on it. If somebody in fact comes from that referral, I mean, set up good referral leads like that. Agree to pay people. I mean, lots of people have those little metal carports on their property and that's exactly how it works. They get a referral fee. If somebody stops and takes a brochure from there or talks about it, I mean, they get a referral fee. So that's what you need to do. Get those things seen and you'll get your orders from there. Brent from Johnson city, Tennessee says, I've heard you say before that when your children need to have a reset, that you would have them listen to Zig Ziglar. I have a seven and eight year old that also need resets from time to time. I've been struggling to find positive audio that's understandable for them at this age. Any recommendations? Yes, absolutely. Now, for one thing, I would encourage you to get on audio and it's still certainly available. Zig Ziglar's see you at the top. 
Now, if you look up, you know, Raising Positive Kids or whatever, you're going to get Zig's books on raising positive kids in a negative world. And that's to teach parents how to raise positive kids. But the material in See You at the Top is applicable for children, even at the ages of seven and eight. It's written at a very easy reading level. He tells those wonderful stories about you know, the pump where you, a guy finds a pump out in the desert and there's a little cup of water there. He's thirsty. He's been walking a long time. Well, the temptation is to drink the water out of the pump. Now it's kind of stagnant and warm, but at least it's water. But no, what does a wise person do? Pour the water down the hole to wet that leather diaphragm down there. So it'll expand. And then you start pumping the handle and you pump and you pump and you pump. And you don't know if the water is 200 feet down or if it's 20 feet down, you don't know where it is. So you can't stop. You got to keep pumping. And all of a sudden the water starts to flow. And as soon as the water starts to flow, you can back off in the pressure. It doesn't take as much pressure to keep it flowing once it's coming up through as it did to get it up there initially. I mean, he's got stories about, being cooked in the squat about how he'd go over to his neighbor lady's house for her biscuits in the morning. And one morning he went over there and the biscuits looked like little um, 50 cent pieces on the cookie tray. And, and he asked, you know, what happened to those? And the lady laughed and roared back, laughed and said, well, they got, they were getting ready to, to rise, but they got cooked in the squat. Well, there's a great principle there that he talks about. Sometimes we start to get ready to do something and we don't follow through. We essentially get cooked in the squat. But your kids, even at that age, will pick up those stories, remember them through their lifetimes. Trust me, I've got grown children now who are teaching these principles to my grandchildren. And it's delightful to hear them being passed on. Now, another thing, there are, there are sites out there. There's one that is hiskids.net that has a lot of audio, positive, short audio that you can pull in for your children. Another one I would encourage you to explore, and these, these are videos, so they're really great, are the TEDx youth presentations. I'll put a couple of these in the program notes today, links to them, but TEDx, you know, TED Talks are for adults. They're phenomenal short presentations on just dramatic things and know that help us all i listen to ted talks pretty much every day but there are ted talks for youth so there are kids giving ted talks and those are really delightful hey speaking of kids i'm going to play a clip here now this was done with my granddaughter clara who is now six and she was three at the time so this has been a couple years ago but one morning when i just asked her to come in here to my office you'll enjoy this it'll remind us that we can start teaching kids at very young ages again clara was only three here now i have a special guest with me in my office today and it happens to be my special granddaughter and she's going to tell us a little bit about herself so tell us your name So your name is Clara, and you chose to spell it instead of say it. That's all right. Very good. Where do you live? In Fieldcrest Drive. And what city is that in? In Nashville, Tennessee. Very good. Now, Clara, I know we talk about this a lot. What are you going to do when you grow up? Change the world. Change the world. I love it. And how are you going to do that? I know you've thought about some of the kind of jobs you'd like to have. What kind of work would you like to do when you grow up to change the world? Um, plant flower. 
plant flowers? Don't you say, okay, awesome. Now, speaking of flowers, I know you're here at the sanctuary today as part of a painting class along with your mommy, and you do some beautiful painting. Are you an artist? Yes. Why do you think you're an artist? What makes it, what lets us know? How, how would I know that you really are an artist? Um, I do pretty paintings. You do. And when you do paintings, you can also tell me about them, can't you? You can tell me why you painted what you did. Well, here's one final question for you, Clara. This is a big question. Where are you and I going to go to lunch now? Taco Bell. Where do we go every Wednesday after your art class and after my podcast? Taco Bell. (laughs) And there you have the rest of the story. Well, it's always a delight to include our children in what we're doing. Certainly the opportunity, the privilege we have of teaching them positive principles. But I've also enjoyed having our children involved in things that I've done. I've always done that. Um, Again, my work and play is pretty seamless. My work and family are seamless. But um, uh, Clara loves to come to her events. She's now six, but she's informed her mom and dad. Now, at the last couple of events, she's made muffins. And she sells her muffins when we have people here at the sanctuary. So if you come to Innovate in March, you'll probably get a chance to see, to patronize Clara. Now, she loves having a captive audience, and she always knocks it out of the park with tips. But she sells her artwork and her muffins. But she's also informed her mom and dad that from now on, she does not want to be left with a babysitter over at our house during events. She wants to be here. And that is not just to be able to sell her stuff and make her a little pocket change. No, she wants to sit and listen and learn. She's six years old. I mean, how cool is that? Well, hey, thanks for your question. I'll I'll leave some notes again in the podcast notes, links you can go to to get positive audio that you can share with your children. Great question. Great desire. Wendell from Goshen, Indiana says, Dan, I was moved to tears this morning because of my overwhelming fear of stepping out and making vocational change in my life. I long to make a difference in people's lives and see them become free from the fear that keeps them chained to the ground. I've been a longtime listener to 48 Days and Entree Leadership. It's Dave Ramsey's program. It seems to be a very common problem for entrepreneurs to overcome. Is it hard? It is horribly crippling for me as well, and I feel a calling on my life to free as many people as possible from this consuming cancer. I don't know where to start. I just purchased Wisdom Meets Passion. I'm excited about reading it. You've been a huge blessing to me. And he goes on to talk about some of the things, but the essence is he's dealing with overwhelming fear. Now, I, this, this is a very common issue. Recently, I did a teleseminar. We had over a thousand people registered for it. And it was about starting business. And the number one question was how to deal with fear. It wasn't about how much square footage I need for this kind of business or how much capital I'll need to start this business or how many employees. It was, how do I overcome my fear of even starting? Now we, we recently had a coaching with excellence event here at the sanctuary on the closing night. We really, uh, we're finished, but nobody seemed to want to leave. So we decided to order pizza for everybody. So when the order arrived, I slipped out to the kitchen to thank the delivery man. And he tentatively asked me, he says, isn't this a sanctuary? And he proceeded to tell me that he's been a reader of 48 days materials for every, for 
several years. He knows all about the sanctuary. But then he added, fear controls my life. And he talked about that a little bit. Now, sometimes it appears the fear of success is stronger than the fear of failure. People can justify failure. Well, of course, you know, I'm poor and broken in this situation. You know, nothing ever goes right for me. It's easier to explain that than sometimes it is to explain success. I mean, the unknown is a scary place. Staying with a familiar mediocrity may be less intimidating than trying something new. You know, with no clear goals and no cheering from those around you, boring but predictable careers are born and maintained. Now, let me add to this too. I mean, delivering pizzas is a worthy occupation, but I really expect that most 46-year-old men would see it as a stepping stone to something else. I mean, don't let fear you know, keep you in a red shirt and baseball cap, but you've got to move through that. Now, a couple other things here just about how to walk through fear. I mean, we hear a lot about the failures of people who are ultimately very successful. I've talked openly about that. And certainly, you know, my buddy Dave Ramsey, and you've heard pretty much everybody who's had any level of extraordinary success has talked about their failures. It's an inevitable part of the journey. Don't let the fear of failure keep you from trying something new. Anticipate failure. How's that? I mean, you are going to fail. If you leave your job and you go out and do something else, you're going to have failure experiences that you never expected. Just be prepared to walk through that. I mean, Peter Drucker says the one person to distrust is the one who has never made a mistake. Either he's a phony or he stays with the safe, the tried and the trivial. Wow. I mean, what are the, what are the most common questions that I'm asked? I did an interview not too long ago with John Lee Dumas, an entrepreneur on fire. And he says, one of the common questions that he has in his podcast is take us to a point in your journey when you failed or when you had a challenge or an obstacle that you really just had to overcome and then take us through how you overcame that obstacle. He asked that of every successful person that he interviews. Same question. Tell us about a failure. So don't think that you're going to move out. It's going to be perfectly orchestrated, smooth sailing. No, just anticipate that as part of the process of doing anything extraordinary, there are going to be bumps in the roads, but that's okay. You know where you're ultimately going, what you're going to do. So start. I mean, there's an old cliche, W. Clement Stone, who was, who started success magazine years and years ago says, do what you fear and fear disappears. Now I'm not one for, you know, just saying, Hey, pick up a snake when you're terrified of snakes, but there is some merit in uh, having yourself do things that you've not done before. Just read a book that you've not done before. Drive a different way to work than what you've done before. And to go to a concert that you've not gone, that you would not normally go to those kind of things can stretch your thinking and help you experience new and exciting successes. I titled that when I did that interview with John Lee Dumas, titled it, I failed and it brought me here. I mean, I failed. How could I have, how could I have ended up where I am today? 
had I not walked through things that I not only feared, but things in which I failed. I mean, I, I, I could not have. I don't think I could have had a straight line to where I am today. For one thing, I would have never recognized the kind of things that I do today. I built businesses, had some early success in businesses, and I thought that success meant that you got bigger buildings and more employees. Well, I did that. And as I did that, ultimately got in a position that was really tough, some banking changes, you know, you've heard me tell the story and boom, I ended up looking on my back, looking at the sky, owing the IRS over a hundred thousand dollars, other vendors, about 300,000, you know, all total about half a million dollars in debt that I owed. I didn't file bankruptcy. I wanted to make good in my word for those kind of things. But I thought, wow, how did I get here? But in that period of time in licking my wounds, believe me, and looking for new opportunities, I discovered some new ways. You mean I really can have a business where I don't have buildings and employees and inventory, where I just can do things that leverage intellectual capital and build a real viable business from that? Well, today my business is, you know, multiples of what it was back then in terms of gross revenue and, and certainly profits but it's totally different. I don't know that I would have been able to see or even given myself room to think about this kind of business had I not bombed in the original kind of businesses that I tried to build. Well, Ted Turner was asked one time, you know, how he felt about failing over and over and over again, you know, trying to win the world's cup, the sailing cup and gee, owning the Atlanta Braves and they lost and lost and lost. He says, I mean, he just answered, Immediately, I saw this on a CNN interview. He said, I wasn't losing. I was learning how to win. Now, there's another mind shift. If we focus on the losing, we'll get trapped in that black hole and keep going deeper. If we tell ourselves, geez, I'm learning how to win. The more I understand about the bumps in the road here, takes us back to our quotation. You know, if it's always a smooth sea, you aren't going to be a skilled sailor. You're just going to be an average sailor. It's in the rough seas that you learn how to navigate well. Same thing is true in business. Great question. Well, hey, I to, well, let me go here a second. I haven't done this. Just a reminder that if you've got a question, we certainly welcome that. Just go to the 48days.com site. Click on the podcast link. That'll open up a little opportunity for you to submit a question there. You can just send it directly to askdan at 48days.com. We welcome your questions. You know, saying that just reminds me, I've told you uh, this year, I'm no longer going to call this a podcast because it really implies old technology. I'm going to call it on-demand radio. So it's 48 days radio, not 48 days podcast. I need to change that on our website. Just thought of that. We'll get that change pronto. Mike says, I read 48 days. I've downloaded your podcast. I've, <laughs> there you go again. Can't get away from it. I have over 20 years in sales with industrial advertising, medical, pharmaceutical sales experience. I have three or four people I'm helping in their job career search. Can you help me turn this into a coaching business? Honestly, I don't need the money and I have the gift of encouragement. I've learned a great deal through my career, but I think if I charge a fee, I could make it more clear what we're trying to accomplish. I'm thinking that the first meeting would be no charge to identify needs and goals, and then maybe $200 to work up a plan, then maybe $50 to meet and follow up on goals. My biggest question is, is this realistic when most are unemployed or underemployed? 
Is there a different strategy you would recommend? My biggest talent is helping them identify opportunities and then mentoring them with the steps to sell themselves. Thanks, Mike. Well, what a great position to be in, Mike. And yes, I commend you on making yourself available for that. Can you turn this into a coaching business? Absolutely. I mean, the first thing when I, when people ask me, which they do all the time, Dan, can I be a coach? My first response is, are people coming to you now asking for your advice and opinion? If they are, it's probably a pretty gentle tweaking to position you as a coach. You're saying people are already doing that. So obviously, yes, people already see you as a coach. Very easy to do that. You say you think if you charged a fee, you could make it more clear what we're trying to accomplish. Absolutely. A hundred percent agreed on that. If you are just a nice guy, people have the option to accept what you say or not accept it. No cost, no value, no commitment. It's just kind of loosey goosey. You can be a nice guy and do that forever. But if you say, yes, I'm a coach, this is what it looks like. Yeah, it's $200 to work up a plan. And then if you need a tune up, you come back in, we can talk for 45 minutes. It's $50 for that. People say, wow, that's a stretch for me, but I really want to do this. I know you can help me. Boom. You better believe when they plunk down the $200, then they're more committed. Now this is assuming that you have, I mean, if you're doing this with CEOs who are used to making $400,000, I mean, they'll laugh at you. It doesn't have any meaning at all. But if you're doing it with people who are used to making 15 bucks an hour and they're currently looking for work, yeah, then it fits. So the first thing you do is identify your target audience and do what's realistic for them has nothing to do at this point with what you need to be compensated for. You already said you don't need the money. What you need to do is just firm up the process. So it's a valuable process for everybody involved. So it doesn't just waste your time meaninglessly. And so the people really do get value out of it. I mean, it doesn't matter if you then gift the money back to them 60 days down the road when they've proven their ability to really take action I mean, you can do all kinds of creative things. But yeah, I encourage you to go ahead and have a couple different packages that you would structure for your coaching and say, yes, this is how I would be willing to work with you. Which of these works best for you? Great question. Great opportunity. Now, here's here's one. I, I love this. This question. Adam says from Shelbyville, Kentucky, a long term goal of mine is to have lunch with a billionaire. How will I get in front of them? Oh, how I will get in front of them is not a concern because I can figure that out. And I'm not afraid of asking, except in this case, because I'm afraid of wasting such an opportunity. I've met you personally at one of your holiday meetups. I gave you some Taco Bell gift cards. Well, thanks, Adam. And listen to your podcast for years. I really respect your wisdom. Rather than asking, what should I do? I'm asking you, what would you do? What would you ask? How would you prepare? How would you not waste the moment? Great question. And yes, you can do this. If I wanted to get together with Bill Gates, I would ask him if I could have 20 minutes of his time to interview him on his own success, because I'm doing some research on overcoming challenges and I'd love to get his input. I mean, something like that. I mean, those are the questions that I respond to. I just, I did an interview recently and it was clear that the interviewer who was writing a book on why Amish businesses are so successful, but he knew my background. It was clear that he knew my background. He had questions prepared in advance. He said, these are the questions I'd like to ask you. And it, the first one was, could you share a little bit about your background, your connection to the Amish? 
then he says, you've written on your blog and website about business to Holmes County, Ohio, and your observations on Amish businesses from your standpoint as a consultant and business person, why are they doing so well? You know, what kind of role do you see faith or spirituality playing in having a fruitful, rewarding career? I mean, he had great questions that let me know he knows me and my material really well. That's one of the things you do in approaching a billionaire. Don't just say, gee, I know you're rich. You know, will you share your advice with me? No. And, and frame it in a way where you're doing an interview. Now, there's a whole lot of people doing this these days. I already mentioned John Lee Dumas with Entrepreneur on Fire. Look at what he's done. He's done nothing but interview very successful people. I mean, the head of any notable company out there, John's probably interviewed him. Um, Jamie Tardy, eventual millionaire. Yeah, the eventual millionaire. I mean, I kidded her recently. I said, she's probably gotten hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of personal coaching because of interviewing very successful people. And she asked them, you know, how did you do that? How did you get here? What were obstacles that you overcame? You know, how could I do the same kind of thing? I mean, think about the value of doing that. But yeah, just ask, but frame your questions in a way that lets the person know you know them. You're not just, you know, just another bump on a log, you know, want to waste their time. No, you are doing some research on a project or you're doing a blog or you're writing an article or you're doing a podcast. I mean, let them know those kind of things. Let me grab one more here. This comes from Scott. Scott says, I'm at the starting line, revving the engine. She's about to blow. My name's Scott. I've been following your work for several years now. I've dreamed of starting my own business since the day. You know, this, this is a great question. And I'm, I'm going to take more time. I've really kind of uh, jumped the gun here. This is the one where he ends. He says, I'm at the starting line revving my engine. She's about to blow unless I put it in gear and go. And he talks about the fact he's been at the same company for 19 years. A lot of other people have gotten laid off. They won't lay him off, although he'd like it. They won't lay him off because he's good at doing problem solutions. How can he do something to put this revving engine in gear? Man, great question. I want to deal with that. I'll take that at the top of the next online radio show that we're going to do. So that'll be next week. We'll talk about how to put your revving engine in gear. Hey, just a couple things. We just want to review just quickly to just remind you things that are coming up here. We've got the events coming up here. Innovate is going to be the mind blowing event. We're going to be doing March 20th and 21st. Love to see you here. We're going to have people like Ken Davis and Mike Hyatt. Uh, Joanne Miller, my wife, and Dorsey McHugh as artist will be sharing. We're going to unveil the new eagle sculpture and have some other surprise gifts for people that are here. Love to see you here. Check out that on our live events at 48days.com. Remember the things we talked about today. How do you find time to pursue passions and ambitions when you have a busy life already? What do you do if you're moved to tears because of overwhelming fear? How do we get past fear? Great question. How do you talk to a billionaire? You know, one of the things I have, I think it's day 47 in the 48 steps, 48 days in the 48 days to the work you love for day 47 is have lunch with a millionaire. And that stumps people more than any other step in there. They're saying, gee, I'm going to do that. Well, you just ask, you just ask. It's more readily available to you than you might think. Our quotation for the day was smooth seas do not skilled sailors make. Be a skilled sailor. Recognize you're going to have bumps in the road. You're going to have waves in the sea, no matter what it is that you're doing. 
that's okay. You're prepared to handle it. You can do it. Hey, thanks for being part of this amazing community. Check out all the activity at 48days.net. If you're not yet a member there, there's about 14,000 of you who are there sharing ideas and resources to raise each other to higher levels of success. This is just a process. It's an ongoing process. It's a journey, but we can do it. You can do it. You can, in fact, find or create work that is meaningful, purposeful, and profitable. Hey, don't settle for less. Have a great week.